0: The thing about being a first generation anything is that it always comes with a nagging question Am I supposed to be here? Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons, and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. The thing about being a first-generation anything is that it always comes with a nagging question. Am I supposed to be here? When I became the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, I knew it was God. Not only had God revealed the opportunity for me months before the position was posted, but he confirmed it with signs and wonders, as they say. There were three specific things that I prayed for to confirm that this was the position for me, and all three occurred. Then, unbeknownst to me, two members of the search committee prayed separately, without speaking to each other, for the same sign to confirm that I was God's choice, and God did it. With all of this in mind, there was no logical reason that I should have walked through the door without anything less than great confidence. But even with the signs and wonders and the supernatural way that God opened the door for me, I could not overcome the feelings of insecurity and self-doubt that I brought with me. You see, God affirmed me, but man had not. Despite the previous successes that I had in roles that I held before Interfaith, I had also experienced so much criticism and so little encouragement that I was beginning to wonder if the criticism was true. And the truth is, some of it was. But I digress. After just a few weeks at Interfaith, I wondered if God was playing some type of cruel trick on me because every big opportunity that he gave me also came with big obstacles and interfaith was no exception. My track record of success could not silence the nagging doubts and fears that this time, what the naysayers said about me was true. I'd worked relentlessly to outrun my own doubts through my accomplishments. I secured my first executive director role at 27, started my own consulting firm shortly thereafter, And became the CEO of a multi-million dollar nonprofit at just 38 years old. I'd done the external work, but I'd not yet done the internal work necessary to be secure in those accomplishments. So I took on the biggest role of my life at a time when my soul was starving for security, affirmation, and acceptance. This, as you can imagine, was a recipe for disaster. But even so, God had a plan to transform me as he transformed Interfaith. So one thing he asked me to do as he did it. So I had this dream right when I started at Interfaith that was warning me to keep silent while I allowed God to work both in me and through me. In this dream, I was in the parking lot of Interfaith surrounded by members of my then leadership team. I had on a bright yellow dress, and I had their attention while I was speaking. As I was speaking, the sun was beginning to bear down on me, and I got hot and began to remove my dress. In my mind, I thought it was okay to remove my dress because, number one, I was surrounded by my leadership team, so the people on the outside couldn't see me, and underneath my dress, I had on a long slip to cover my nakedness. But as I did so, as I removed my dress, their faces transformed from admiration to disdain. And then I woke up. After I woke up, I instinctively understood the meaning of the dream, which was do not share my intimate thoughts and feelings with the team. Do not overexpose myself or my thoughts, no matter how stressful or how hot it got. So I wrote the dream down and I listened for a while. But then as time passed, I slowly began to let my guard down with certain members of my leadership team. And I became very close with one, a minister who seemed to really have my back. She shared a lot of historical insight on the organization that she said could help me as I led. She prayed with me, supported me, invited me to speak at her church, came to see me speak when I would speak other places. Slowly, I began to trust her. Then I disobeyed the warning and began to share my concerns, worries, and fears, as well as my insecurities with her. And by the end of the next year, she attempted to lead a coup designed to get me terminated based on lies and distortions presented by her and a small group of her cohorts when they met with the board chair. I was saddened to learn about the plan, but I was devastated to find out it was her. And most of all, I was disappointed in myself for failing to obey God's warning. That experience would teach me why butterflies and babies are developed in the dark, I've learned that like Mary, it would have been so much better for me to ponder things in my heart and limit my confessions of doubt and discouragement to my husband, who's assigned as my covering, and other CEOs who understood my struggle. But when it came to confiding in my staff, particularly new staff that I had inherited, I should have known that silence, as they say, is golden. It was a very costly lesson. And I'm sharing it with you in hopes that you can avoid the issues that I face as a result of learning the hard way. Now, listen, by the grace of God, it turned out well, as you know, I'm still the CEO of Interfaith and we've done a lot of great things since I started 12 years ago. But this experience was really heartbreaking and and in many ways, soul crushing. And it could have been avoided had I just obeyed what the Lord told me about silence, and setting up boundaries when it came to my staff. So now let's talk about three ways silence can help you avoid staff issues. So first a word about silence. Some people think that quiet people are hiding something. And this is not always true. And it's certainly not the motivation for learning to tame your tongue. Is to say, hey, I'm trying to be transparent, so I'm going to say what's on my mind. No, taming your tongue is important. You can still be silent and be authentic. You can be silent and still be transparent with the things that you do share. You're just selective about what those things are. You can still be silent and kind and especially silent and cautious. Silence is not sketchy. It's certainly not a bad thing, especially when you're a new CEO or an old one for that matter. These um, three things that I'm about to share will show you how silence can help you to avoid staff issues. So, number one, silence triggers you to observe versus being observed. Let me say that again silence triggers you to observe versus being observed. So when you come into a new leadership role, you want to be careful not to give potentially manipulative people the cheat code to a way that they can communicate with you in order to sway you. And I know it's important. A lot of people feel it's important to come right through the door, sharing your background, casting a vision, sharing your values, telling people your work style, what your priorities are, what's important to you, instead of letting them learn those things organically. But the problem with coming in and giving people every, you know, key about you and what's important to you is that they can manipulate that information to put on an act that appears that they work like you work. Are they have the same what work style you prefer? Are they um, prioritize the things you prioritize, when in fact, it's not true. So what I've learned is that while, it's imp- while it may be important to cast a vision at some point, you have to be careful about doing that right away because persuasive people will use your priorities to cloak their agendas. So instead, you want to ask more questions than you answer. You want to observe how Um, They respond to the feedback you do give and you want to, while they're telling you what's important to them, you want to keep your face as neutral as possible. If you let people talk long enough, they'll tell you what they're about and you'll learn what you need to learn. Just listen and learn. So that's number one. Your silence will trigger you to observe versus your voice putting you in the position where they're observing everything about you. Next, silence is also the best response to uncertainty. And at the beginning of any leadership tenure, there is a lot of uncertainty. New leadership is like removing the layers of an onion. Each month, you'll discover more complicated layers in the organization and more unexpected problems. And regardless of how new you are to your role, both you and your staff Um, both your staff, I'm sorry, and your board are going to look to you for solutions. So you might need to think through them strategically. You may even need a sounding board, but you have to be careful to curate your responses um, in a way that will allow you to not say something that maybe you decide later you don't want to go with. So be careful not to act impulsively when issues arise. Do not make decisions on the fly unless it's absolutely necessary. Practice simple statements like, this is concerning. Give me a moment to process and we'll discuss later. Then take the time to pause, to pray, to prepare by thinking through scenarios, doing some research, looking through the next steps, writing down a list of questions that you might have for your leadership team or others. Because that way, when you do sit down to discuss the issue or crisis, you're prepared to do so in a way that's going to be more productive. And remember this, a leader who can remain calm, confident and calculating crisis is always highly respected, even by those who don't agree with them. OK, so that's number two. Silence is the best response to uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty when you start a new leadership role. Third, silence is also the best response to criticism. You know, when I was younger, I prided myself on being quick on my feet and having a response to almost anything. But as I matured, I learned that when it comes to criticism, silence is often the best response. Nothing bothers your enemy like seeing that it doesn't faze you when they criticize you. And learning that it won't stop you. I mean, they they don't know what to do with that. That when they say something off the cuff or say something disrespectful, you act unaffected, almost oblivious to the fact that it's insulting. Nothing keeps you focused, also like refusing to stop your work to respond. I've I've learned that for me, criticism and disrespect is a major distraction. I'm highly driven. Um, once I set my mind to something, I typically accomplish it. Things that can get me off track or slow me down is having to stop and explain myself constantly or to defend myself more accurately. Um, that's one of the things that has has kind of been um, an effective tool that the enemy used in my, earlier in my career, like earlier, meaning last year, <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but <laughs> earlier in my career, well, not really. Um, One of the things that he's used is distraction um, in the form of disrespect. When I feel disrespected, it just does something to me. And so um, I usually try to, you know, respond and let him know, you know, you can't talk to me that way. Or you don't have the authority to do this, that or the other or whatever the case may be. Um, But I have learned and I'm yet learning that it's more effective and easier for me when I just, it doesn't matter. If I know who I am, if I know number one, who I am in the Lord, I know my value in him. I know that he provides for me. I know that he makes a way for me. I know that I won't leave a place, not a moment before he says it's time for me to go. And when he says it's time for me to go, there's nothing I can do to stay. When I know that he's in control of my life, it doesn't matter what other people say because they don't really have any power. So if they really don't have any power and I'm here on assignment, then why am I letting what someone else say affect me or phase me? It's just, it makes no sense. Someone who's going to be in my life in one moment and out of my life, the next moment, it it doesn't, it's not worth the time and the energy. And more than anything, my work speaks for itself. If I'm operating in integrity, if I'm doing things the right way, if I'm doing things for the right reason, even when I make mistakes, God provides grace and mercy. He covers me. My work will speak for itself. I don't have to take down, get off the mountain, and stop working on the wall in order to have this long debate or prove to my uh, the person who's criticizing me that I'm you know worthy of respect admiration or support or whatever. It's just not necessary. And it's a major distraction and it delays work that could be getting me closer to my goal. Like Nehemiah, when he was building the wall, we don't have time for all the talk. In the end, your work will speak for itself. So unless it's absolutely necessary and you're prompted by the spirit, just remain silent. I learned not only does it reduce stress, but it expedites success. In fact, being unfazed is my new superpower. It, it really, really is, and I'm loving it. I don't know why it took me so long to get here, but thank you, Jesus, I'm here. All right, so with that being said, let me recap. You know I love to recap three ways silence can help you avoid staff issues. Number one, silence triggers you to um, observe versus being observed. Number two, silence is the best response to uncertainty. Number three, silence is the best response to criticism. So finally, let me offer you this word of encouragement. Here's the good news. You don't have to be perfect in order to be productive. You can feel like an imposter and still be impactful. God can develop you while he's using you to develop the organization he's given you to lead. The key is not to feel the need to prove yourself to other people in the process. God's open door is his affirmation. His promotion is his approval. Your self-esteem will eventually catch up to your successes. But in the meantime, remain silent in response to your critics and even your own self-doubt. Your work will eventually speak for itself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, first of all, for this time together. I thank you for every leader and aspiring leader that is listening to this podcast. I pray that this podcast will be a blessing to them and that they will not only just hear the things that I share and the things that I believe you're speaking to their heart, but that you will give them the strength and the grace to be able to carry it out. Father, I pray that you would remind them of why you called them this week. I pray that you would bring somebody in their life to give them the much-needed encouragement and affirmation they, that they need, Father God, that it may not come from the source they were looking, Father God, but when it does come, it will. they will know that it's you offering them that little wink to let them know they're on the right track, and Father God, I pray that They will cast and we, not they, but we will cast our cares on you first before we go looking to someone else to vent to, that we'll learn to cast our cares on you because you care for us. And Father God, that you will send help just like you sent ministering angels to Jesus in the garden when he was pouring out his heart to you, that you'll send ministering angels to us after we've learned to pour out our heart to you first. And so, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the victory is ours. We thank you for Romans 8 and 28, knowing that all things are working together for good. So we give you praise and glory right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, KimWConsulting.com just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.